This is a special episode of the Free Your Energy podcast. Just had a very powerful conversation with my guest, Odin Domingo. Such an empath, a smart man, intellectual, amazing storyteller. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this episode, out of his journey. He used the word love a lot. He used the word purpose and vision. He talked about just getting started and just starting and the power of just starting, finding a need, finding solutions for different needs and problems. I promise you, you will get a lot of value out of this episode. Thank you for listening to the Free Energy Podcast, and here we go. My friends, welcome to a special episode of the Free Your Energy podcast. Crazy story for you about how my guest got here today. I'll tell you the story, and then we're going to dive into a nice conversation. So, if you remember the episode I had with Mr. Ryan Noll, owner of the Tidy Casa program out here in Phoenix, Arizona, after connecting with him, talking with him, I asked him if there was someone special he could connect me with. And he thought about it, and he finally got back to me, and he says, you know what? I have somebody for you. His name is Odin, and he's a business owner here in Phoenix. He owns the Cohoots, right? That's how you say it, right? Cohoots. No, yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. And I said, okay, cool. So then, ironically, my best friend, who was also on here, um, Derek Nelson, he asked me to go to Cohoots with him one day. He did not know that I had been in contact with the owner. Uh, I believe it was around MLK Day I went, but you guys were closed. And we went up to the building and we tried to get in. We probably looked like burglars on your, <laughs> on your <laughs> like these two dudes in the middle of the day trying to get in. And um, then obviously we didn't get in, but I was in touch with you and been in touch with you. And, you know, you agreed to come on the podcast. And it's really cool to have you here because now – I get to meet you and then learn about your story and your journey. And that's how my guest got here. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. You use special, I think, two or three times. You keep saying it. It must be true. Uh, no, it's, I, no, I definitely appreciate it. Thank you uh, so much for having me. Yeah. I learned a little about, about your story just sitting here and, and meeting you before we started recording. And uh, it's super impressive. So, uh, I, yeah, I just love what you're doing. I, yeah. Love that you asked me to come on, and obviously Ryan Noel of uh, of Tidy Casa. He's a he's a cool dude. He's a great guy. So. Yeah. So how do you how do you and Ryan know each other? You know, talking about Cahoots, uh, uh, um, which is a co-working space for mm-hmm. a lot of people who don't who don't know. Um, Ryan actually has a, has a membership at Cahoots. Mm-hmm. He has a, a designated desk uh, there. He's been with us for maybe about a year now. So that's okay. how that's how we know each other. That's how you. Okay. Wow. And that's funny because I'm a customer of his. Right. <laughs> and then he's a customer of yours. So it's, yeah. I think that speaks to doing good business, actually. Um, yeah. Tell me about your childhood. Let's go back. Tell me about your childhood. Yeah, man. What was it like? What were you like when you were five years old? Where were you at? Oh, my God. Okay. So uh, I was born and raised on Guam. Uh, I, 
if you know anything about what it's like on Guam, I, it's pretty much a, the typical childhood on Guam. Uh, for me, I'm Filipino. Uh, my parents are from the Philippines. They met on Guam, um, but I'm Filipino. There's probably 30% um, of the Guam, pop, the, the Guam population is, is uh, you know, Filipino. But so I grew up around people that were just like me, right? Like, um, you know, 99% of the island it's brown, right? Yeah, <laughs> just right, right. really homogenous. So we, uh, uh, and because it's just such a, a small island as well, it's, what is it, maybe eight miles um, wow. around. You, you could drive around the island for two hours. Wow. Um, and that's including stops. Wow. <laughs> um, and so it's, it, you know, really small island, but big families, right? I was, I was for me, um, I'm the youngest of three, but my dad was the eldest of nine. Mm. Um, so I have just lots of aunts and uncles, lots of cousins. I Now I have you know nieces and nephews I've never even met, mm. don't even know their names. So when I do have the opportunity to go back to Guam, I, yeah, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> They'll call me uncle and all this stuff. I was like, <laughs> I don't know, okay, hi. <laughs> um, but growing up, five years old, right? Like uh, I'm the youngest. And with, with a big family, I was also one of the youngest for a very long time. Um, and I'm not ashamed to say it, right? Like, I, I was pretty coddled as a, a that young um, and, and very, um, you know, I just did everything my my older brother and my older cousins did, right? I, I'm a Laker fan because they were Lakers Me fans. Me too. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm a Lakers fan too. And uh, Guam, you're like, you know, you're, you're all over the place with your, you know, your, your sports um, uh uh, I guess allegiances because we don't have a hometown team. So you know, my my mom went to uh, uh, to New York for college, and so she became a a Mets and a Giants fan while she was there. So when I was growing up, I was not only a Laker fan, but right. I, I went to the other coast, and right, we had, I was right. a Mets and Giants fan. My brother was a a big El, uh, John Elway fan, so he was a Bronco fan. So you have a lot of that. And so when I was five, we did a lot of sports. Okay. Um, okay. A lot of cousins. My brother and my sister they played volleyball, basketball. I played baseball, um, basketball. We did that. We, as a huge, like extended family, um, you know, we did everything. Did everything. Together. What's the weather like there? Um, have you ever been to Hawaii? It's just like a, a really small Hawaii. Okay, it's so tropical. it's yes, tropical, super humid. Like you, you walk out of the airport and it just like hits you like you a brick. It's like sweating. oh, yeah. like okay, I can't breathe. <laughs> right. Um, but you get used to it. You don't really know that, like growing up there, right? right. Until you go somewhere else, like why am I? Why is my skin so dry? Right. Why is my hair right. going crazy? Um, and then when you go back to Guam after a very long time, just like oh my god, it just it just hits you right away. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think about um, you know my childhood and and think about like what was it about how I grew up. How did that help me to what I do today? And we're like, why am I, you know, pretty good at what I do right now, which is, um, you know, running cahoots uh, with my wife Jenny um, and helping people with their businesses and and really trying to solve problems for entrepreneurs and 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 all of that and and helping people. Um, and when I think about how I grew up, it was just because I, I was born into such like a, and not a, again, not afraid to say it, like a, a very like loving, supportive family and, you know, everyone helped each other. And it wasn't just helping each other's families. 
you know, if we had friends, they were part of our family too. Um, you know, my friends, uh, parents, you know, I call them aunt and uncle, you know, we, wow. we weren't blood related, but right. you know, it was just that kind of, I think, um, island slash, um, you know, uh, Filipino mentality of everyone's a family. Everyone's here to help each other. Mm. Um, and I think just growing up that way um, and just helping anybody who needed help, you know, inviting people over to dinner, um, over to lunch on the weekends and, and doing that and, and just caring about people, no matter who they are, or where they came from or what they look like, um, I think has, has really helped me um, with, what, with what we do today. And that's kind of just kind of just how I grew up. It was just in a, in a huge family that, that really um, supported each other and, and cared for each other. And um, I think that's, that's kind of where, um, you know, where, where it kind of took, you know, my career path um, to where we are today. So you had a very, it feels like very positive childhood, a lot of love, a lot of support. Was there anything in there that was, or any stories where you have where it was really negative or bad or things just went crazy or any, maybe you were displaced from your home for a little while. Was there anything in there that was, you know, I had to overcome this, any, any, any of those moments? Yeah, yeah. You know, nothing out of the norm, especially, you know, when you're, when you're growing up. Um, I was, again, youngest of three. Um, my sister's four years older than I am. My brother is two years older than I am. And just what, I, what, what happened is I learned from their mistakes, Right, like Which they, is smart. right, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, they were pretty rebellious. I was kind of rebellious myself, but just watching them and seeing how they, um, you know, we were still close as a family, but you know, just growing up is hard, right? Like you, you think one little thing, the world's gonna come down <laughs> on you, right? Right. right. Um, so, just watching my sister and, and the things that she did, and things I, and and my brother, and and how at times when how they treated, you know, my my parents, just because just how it goes, right? And, and just just learning from that. Um, my brother, um, it ended up obviously being a good thing because I love my nephew, um, but he was a you know, very young father. Um, and, and helping him. How young? Um, he was 19. 19. And okay. I was around 16, 17 when my, my first nephew was born. Um, and just seeing that and like that struggle of trying to be a young father and right. he didn't know what he was doing and obviously he had help from my parents and everything else, but uh, just watching that and, and just learning from that and, and helping with, you know, uh, raising my nephew um, was something that, that we had to, yeah. you know, kind of band together and, and, and get over because it was very like right. a contentious time and for our like, family. That forces you to grow up quicker um, because you're 16 at this point. Now you're taking responsibility, like grown men responsibilities. Right, being there Correct. For, this, for this young boy. Yeah, Were changing you, him and like yeah. giving him baths. Yeah. I, I was, I, I probably changed before. Um, you know, my daughter was born about almost six years ago now. I, I changed. I don't know, hundreds of diapers yeah. <laughs> without yeah. even having my own child. Were you back in Guam when your when your uh, when your brother's son was born, or was that here in America? I I was I was here. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I went here. I meant Guam. I was on Guam when when uh, when that happened. Yeah, when that happened. When did you leave Guam and come out here to America? Uh, I graduated high school in 1998. Uh, so after I graduated, mm -hmm. um, then uh, I went to school in the uh, in Long Beach City College first, and then uh, got my my four year degree at at Cal State Fullerton in, okay. in Orange County. So when you were in Guam, how did you say I'm going to go from Guam? To Los Angeles, is it because <laughs> yeah, you were man. trying to see a Lakers game? Like, yeah. how, how did that happen? 
Yeah, yeah. Hey, can I, so can I go back to Absolutely. just another, yep. like, a, just, I just, just thinking of another thing that we had to get over, just being on a, a small island like that in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. The other thing that we had to deal with uh, were, like, were crazy typhoons. Like, those were, mm. that's just the, the, the negative part of living in, like, this paradise, like, tropical island. Right. Uh, was that you get hit hard by Mother Nature. Like Mother Nature, they don't care. You know, she doesn't care what, right, like where you right. live or what you do. Um, so every, almost every year we would get hit hard with, uh, with typhoons and, um, you know, the, our power would go out, our windows would break and like water and rain would be pouring in. And, you know, we would be, we would have, uh, we would be without water and power for six months. Wow. Um, and so what, you know, just going through that again just uh, deals with you know how we we rally for each other and rally yeah. to protect each other and and help each other. Where um, you know, bringing in family members or helping family members or checking on them, making sure they're okay, mm-hmm. and you know, and rallying as as just a family itself, like in our our little house with you know with the elements coming into our right. in our home and like making what is sure it? we're boarding up our, our windows and everything like? else when you when you're in the house and you hear the typhoon outside like what does it sound like what does it feel like yeah no it's just like it's constant like constant like drumming like constant someone's knocking at your door and knocking on your windows and um yeah th- th- those are those are crazy times every time um you know the, the national weather system um would tell us, you know, when a typhoon is coming, and you know, mm-hmm. we would just fill gallons and gallons of, of water just so that we can have reserves and reserves, yeah. Um, and just having, you know, you, you can't go to school. There's no school because all the right. schools are, are being used as shelters for people who, um, unfortunately, don't have. Uh, most most houses on Guam are are, um, you know, built by cement blocks, but some people do ha- live in, in tin homes. Um, you know, they, their house gets blown away. They need shelter. Right. And so right. most of the schools are being used as shelters and everything else. So, uh, and there's no power. So there's no way you could go yeah. to school. So you're just kind of sitting at home, cleaning up, um, getting your, your antenna TV. And the only thing we could watch was Barney. Barney. <laughs> <laughs> so, what an awful uh, experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing you can watch. So yeah. is it like... Is it like a, a one-time event where it lasts for like 30 seconds or is it just like oh, six hours? Like how long does a typhoon last for? No, it could be it could be days. We would uh it'd be days. Um at least, you know, at least two days. I remember just opening our we have a carport that's pretty deep. So we would open our door and just and just watch, you know, Mother Nature, you know, at her work, um, and watching, you know, trees go by. Okay. And like uh, we uh, then the whether when the storm passes or when we're at the eye of the storm, when it's a little calmer and we would mm-hmm. drive around the neighborhood and like pick up debris or pick up debris outside of our own home mm-hmm. um, and just seeing, you know, power poles down and like right. and, and large trees down and like every and everything else. Um, it's uh, it reminds you of, uh, you know, you're you're just, you know, you're just the speck yeah. of of this greater thing um, and you don't have really any control besides your actions and that's mm-hmm. kind of that that kind of gives you that introspective of okay whatever I can control I will control to my very best obviously you know things happen and you know you it's life right life is hard right. um, but when you kind of go through those kinds of things and it's obviously 
there are worse things that can happen to you. Um, but at least when you have those kinds of experiences, you really, you know, you figure out that, you know, life is just, you know, what is life? Life is just you. Like you need to do what you need to do. Um, like this, when we talk about, you know, for your energy podcast, like you just got to be like, don't worry about all those things. Like, okay. And we're, you know, we're human, right? So right. we do worry and there are, you know, these blocks that we put in front of ourselves um, because we're human. But really those blocks don't exist. They only exist in our head. Um, and when you go through the, you know, the kinds of experiences when, you know, you know that what you can only control is what you are doing right now. It's just, it just gives you that introspective of knowing like, okay, every day, every day you got to do, um, you know, something that one makes you happy, two goes toward your goals. Um, and then, and three, uh, something that you, you're making the world, uh, you know, around you a better place. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't, you don't have to solve the world's issues or mm-hmm. um, you don't have to solve world hunger, but if you could uh, impact, you know, the, the surrounding literally area, the five foot radius around you and people are within that area, mm-hmm. then you, you should do that. And, and that's, you know, that's the kind of life that at least I, you know, have been, I guess, raised to, um, to try to live. I know my listeners are like, Damn, this guy sounds like Sylvester talking. Because <laughs> I, I say the same thing you're talking about, man. I say the same thing. That's one of my common messages is like, we got to stop worrying about so much about the external. Like We got to just look within for what we need and what we want. And we can't. I just feel like if you look at the external as it's against you, it's going to be. If you look at the external like it's here to help you, it will help you. And I feel like that perspective, it depends on like your internal first how you are first, that's how you're gonna see the external. When when you were in Guam uh, and you were living with your parents, what were they like? Were they were they strict? Were they, they kind of just let you do whatever? What, what was their kind of parenting style? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's going back to how I was the youngest and, you know, just being, a, again, a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, yeah, my mom was very loving. Um, she was very supportive um, until, What's funny is I, uh, um, I guess I'll talk about this now since I, I mentioned it. She's, she was great. My, my mom's great. My mom's still great. She's amazing. Uh, she would like bring me pretty much anything I wanted, bring me anywhere I wanted mm-hmm. to go. Um, uh, my dad uh, was also was also great. I mean, like I love my dad. He, I know he loves me, uh, but he was very uh, hands off. Um, he wouldn't. He would do some work outside the house he wouldn't let us help. <laughs> and when we would try to help, you know, his, his, uh, his, a, um, his, his temper was very short. So if there wasn't anything that we knew how to do or, or a tool that we didn't know where it was or couldn't find, then, you know, that was, that was kind of it. That, that was kind was of it. it. That, was, that was how it uh, ended up to be. So uh, which was fine. Like, uh, you know, we learned from that. It's, uh, um, but my, going, going back to, you know, my mom was supportive until, um, I was like 10 or 11 and I told her that I wanted to be a journalist, mm-hmm. um, that I wanted to, uh, uh, well, yeah. So, so yeah, that I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to, to write for newspapers and things like that. And she like, you know, being a, I think a, a typical, um, you know, Asian mom, like, what, 
what are you going to do with that? <laughs> it's like, what, you, what, you're not going to go into the medical field like I did? She was a medical technologist. Um, and so it, so some of that, so that helped me too, right? Like the, the supportive nature of, um, uh, of who she is helped me grow up, but also some of the, um, the barriers of expectations or non-expectations that she put on that had helped me is like, okay, I'm going to prove them wrong. Like, okay, my dad doesn't think I can do this. I'm going to prove him wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, fast forward, um, I've, I've always wanted to be a sports writer since I was 10 years old, right? I loved books. I was a huge bookworm. Um, I loved writing. I loved writing short stories. Um, and I, going back to us being kind of like a sports family, I loved sports as well. Um, and then, when was it? I, I, I read a book about the 92 Olympic dream team and which told all the stories of, of all of these, you know, these legendary players. Um, I guess that book came out maybe in 93 or 94 after the 92 Olympics. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, this guy is writing about these players and with these things. And this is like a great book. Like people do that. Mm-hmm. Like people can, can write about sports and then my mind was just, <laughs> and we didn't really have that on Guam just because obviously we don't have like professional sports or anything like that. So like when I, when I saw that, we don't, and the internet obviously didn't exist then. Um, so it's not like I could go online and just read about, read about sports that was happening in the U.S. I would just watch it on TV and then like I will talk about it amongst my friends. Um, but I was like, oh my God, like I want to do that. I'm going to be a sports writer. Um, and so from, you know, from then on, that was like my, my entire goal. So knowing that that was my goal of what I wanted to do and wanted to be. And my mom saying, you know, not necessarily approving of that. Right. <laughs> and, like, and, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> and, my, and my dad not really caring, right? I was like, all right. So I just kind of went full board. And even if they were supportive or no matter what, that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so, yeah, so I did. I did it for, you know, 13 years uh, before I kind of jumped off of that and, and became, you know, um, started doing, uh, I guess, a, a, as a full-time entrepreneur with Cahoots and a couple other things that my wife and I do. But uh, yeah, I got got to work um, at the LA Times, the Orange County Register, um, the uh, the paper in Colorado Springs. I uh, went to the Arizona Republic back in 2004. That's why I'm now here in Phoenix. I've been here ever since. And I uh, worked at the Republic for nine years. Um, before, yeah, before doing uh, this cahoots thing, and so you did it. Yeah, so I did, it and uh, it was great. Um, it was almost, it was everything that I thought it was. Um, I left uh, the Republic mostly because you know we started. Cahoots, so I left the Republic in 2013, but we started cahoots in 2010, um, and my work that I was doing at cahoots was just at the time it just felt more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. for me at that point of mm-hmm. at this point of my life um and from and from he, from then on and probably forever where it's like i just feel feel more fulfilled you know just helping people you know uh reach their goals and and realize their dreams as you know a business owner or as a freelancer or, or an entrepreneur whatever they wanted to label themselves um it was it was awesome getting them to get their message Helping get their message out there, as well as, you know, just, you know, being who they they wanted to be, and and I, 
as a sports writer, I think I, I did write a lot of important stories. You know, I just wasn't writing about games. I just wasn't doing fluff pieces on on athletes. Um, I think I, I think I, I was proud of some of the the stories I, I wrote, but that wasn't you know that wasn't my everyday. Uh, my everyday now is that I get to impact people's lives. Yeah. Um, at least that's at least that's what that's what it people feels like tell to me. That's what how, it feels like did, to me. Yeah, for how sure. How did being a sports writer help you in your role now? And, and, and what did you learn from that position, skill set wise, uh, experience wise, that you use now that you utilize in your day to day? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so in, uh, in a number of different ways, as obviously um, like yourself as a writer, uh, you know, being knowing what. Um, what people want to read, what how people react to words, and how you as a writer can affect people and affect people's emotions and really um, uh, not only conjure feelings, but get them to actually act on something. Um, so being able to you know, formulate those kinds of messages and and that kind of structure really helped in, in what I what I do now, where I do a lot of, um, you know, the marketing for Cahoots, a lot of the content writing for Cahoots. I also uh, was able to uh, go on contract with some of the companies within Cahoots, as well as some companies out, outside, uh, you know, the, in the greater Phoenix area, just being uh, contracted as, you know, a, a content strategist or, or a writer or an editor um, and being able to, like I said before, just help them really get their message out to the world and helping them do that. Um, and so the, that, that journalism background has, has definitely helped me in that way. And then also as a journalist, you know, you have to talk to people, right? You, right. Um, you have to be out there, you have to be curious, you have to ask you know, as many questions as you, as you can so that one, you can understand it, to be able to write about it so that other people can understand. Right. Um, and so uh, being able to learn those skills um, has obviously helped me in what I do today with, you know, just making sure that I understand what people need, right, as, as um, a member of Coots, as an entrepreneur themselves, as, um, as someone who, you know, wants to start a business or is in their business but is stuck somewhere. It's like, okay, let's... Let me ask all the questions I need so I can understand where they're at so I know how to help. Um, and if I can't help, um, I'm more of a connector than anything else. I, I may not be able to help like by you know, right away or, or with my own skills, um, but that I probably know someone who can. Um, and so getting those answers out of people um, has uh, really speaks back to, you know, to what I did as as a journalist. 2010, you start Cohoots. You are ahead of the curve because right now there seems to be, I'm an entrepreneur, there seems to be now a big push for co-working spaces across the world. Uh, apartment buildings are building, building them into their structures now, the new ones that are coming up. Um, I'm sure you're well aware of your competition here in the Valley as well as other nationally known, recognized like uh, co-working places. 2010, from my perspective, seems to be ahead of the curve. How did you see that there was a space to go into? Um, you know, one thing with being an entrepreneur is if you can, sometimes you do have to reinvent the wheel, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you can just make a new wheel and paint it, right? But like, 
co-working to me seemed to be kind of a new thing, as especially as jobs are now going more remote. How did you see that in 2010? How did you have that foresight to kind of predict this was going to happen? Yeah, yeah. You know, everything that we do at Cahoots today and uh, and for the last, you know, almost 10 years that we've been doing this is is solving problems, right? So Cahoots was born out of a need and everything that we do out of Cahoots is out of a need. We don't do anything. You know, we, we do everything with intention and with purpose. You know, we, we are just not a space. We're a purpose-driven workspace. Um, so we didn't necessarily see that in 2010 that, that um, you know, this is where work is going. Mm-hmm. What we saw was we, need, we, we had a need for ourselves and how can we solve that for ourselves and, and, then, and then meeting other people who also had those problems like, okay, there's a need out there and, and people need this. We didn't know what it was gonna be. We didn't have like a five-year plan or anything like that. We were just solving our own problems. If we solve our problems and get to know other people's problems that are you know, similar to ours, then we can solve those two at the same time. So, um, so going uh, specifically back to 2009, uh, my wife and I were both working at the Arizona Republic. Again, I was a sports writer there. She, as a, um, a background, is um, a graphic designer, and she was an art director for a few magazines that the Republic had. Um, and as uh, people who are my age, at least, can remember, <laughs> uh, you know the, and even now, like you know the the newspaper industry, the news industry in general was struggling with you know the internet. I mean, right. You could get thing, you get news right away. You don't have to wait right. to the mo- to, you know, the next morning right. to, to right. read what happened yesterday. You right. could read what's happening now, now. Um, and so there's just you know the struggle, the struggles of the newspaper industry with so many layoffs happening across the nation, and and the Arizona Republic where it was feeling that. Um, uh, so there's a lot of layoffs happening. We knew that. Um, Jenny was going to be on the chopping block soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was kind of safe because sports were kind of in our own little world. Um, but we knew that, you know, magazines, they weren't really a, um, I guess, a priority for uh, for the company. Uh, so we knew that she was going to get laid off soon. And, and at that time, she was also already um, doing free, she had her own clients doing gra- like freelance work and graphic design and, and web design uh, for others. And she's like, you know what? I don't like working here anyway. Um, you know, in, in, a, in like a big conglomerate, you know, company. Uh, she likes doing things, you know, and in her own way, and she's very good at it. Um, and so we decided, yeah. So she'll start her own uh, branding and advertising um, and design agency, and I would help with that as you know on the content side, um, while still obviously keeping my job at the Republic because you know we need benefits right, right, right. <laughs> and everything else, and I was still in love with what I was doing mm-hmm. as well. Um, uh, yeah, so we uh, started a company called Eco Studio, and I was just working out of our home, and that company was growing. You know, she's very good at what she does, so. You know, you know, she was getting a lot of clients. Um, we were getting interns, and you know, they would, but they would work out of our spare bedroom. We were working from home, um, and you know, just that's just not conducive to growing, of a, you know, a small business, right? A start small business. There's no way we could do that at you know outside of our home, with in the way that we were that the company was growing and and where we wanted to take it. Um, and so, okay, so let's go, let's go get an office space, right? 
go in an office space, then there's no way, like there's co-working didn't exist in Phoenix. And right, we didn't even know what co-working was. Like they didn't even know like shared office spaces existed anywhere. So trying to find an office space, there's, yeah, as a very young, very lean uh, startup small business, we couldn't afford an, our own office space. There's, um, there's nothing out there. Uh, you know, Jenny would call commercial real estate agents and, you know, they, you know, all four of them hung up, uh, two of them laughed before they did. Um, and then another one mentioned Regis. Okay, let's, I don't know if um, you guys know what Regis is, also kind of a shared space, but different than, than and co-working, but we would go to Regis and it just wasn't for us, just wasn't what we we're looking for. You know, the other thing that Jenny needed wasn't just an office space, it was, you know, people around us, right? People who we can brainstorm with, people we can learn from, because you don't learn being siloed you know, by yourself and like with no one around you and, you know, you're just trying to do your thing, but you don't know everything, especially as, you know, a, um, as a, uh, you know, a, a floundering entrepreneur, right? Like you just, you just don't know what you don't know. Um, so you don't know the things that you need to do. You don't know the things you need to ask, but you, when you surround yourself with people who are doing the same things you are doing, like then you can learn from each other. And so we needed that as well. Um, and then at the same time, we were also, you know, kind of integrating ourselves into the downtown community. And we just met other people that um, were also in the same boat. And we're like, great, let's do this. Like, yeah. we could have a shared office space and we could pull our resources going in together. And, you know, we can we can do this. Um, but again, without knowing co-working, like people were actually doing that like, across the country, just not in Phoenix. And you know, we would Google shared office space and found out that co-working, like people were doing that. There was probably only about 200 spaces around the country doing it at the time. Uh, most of them were like in San Francisco or, um, you know, any of the big cities. Like, oh, great. Like we could do this thing called co-working. Um, and, and we, because we're just, we're such big community people, we'll, um, and, and co-working at the time, even quote unquote, real co-working, uh, you know, it's, it's really about community, right? And we, that's what, that's, that's the, what we wanted to do. That's the twist that we wanted to put in and, and the twist that we wanted to, um, to take, um, with, with Cahoots and, and branded at Cahoots, right? We found a building, uh, thankfully in downtown Phoenix, because again, with the recession, it was kind of at the time, right place, right time for us, easy for us to go into, you know, a building that now there's no, like, I can't even imagine what the rent's like at that building right now. Um, but that's kind of just how it started, just a need that we had as well as other people had and just trying to solve solve those problems. That story is so powerful because it's just like you broke down all the problems you saw and it, you gave us like the step-by-step -step of how, okay, you had this going, so you went here. You had this going, you went there. And to see you started it out of your house. I don't know if you realize that you literally the business that you run today, you started out of your house and then you're like, OK, this isn't no, it's not enough. We need a little bit bigger space. Oh, man. So you're about to celebrate 10 years coming up. Uh, yeah, I don't know where all that time went. <laughs> yeah, 10 years. What's one of the biggest lessons you learned in the last 10 years? Oh, man. If you could if you could go back. So many. What would you tell yourself at, in 2010? I mean, I think there were there were so many there were so many big lessons um, and so many different those lessons you know were born out of different situations as well, right? So, I mean, the one thing I think we were good at, and one thing that we tell people all the time, and one thing that 
Um, and when people ask me, uh, you know, what is, you know, what is the biggest advice or whatever, right? Like the one thing that we're good at is, is starting, right? Like just start, like it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to find your perfect customer. You're never going to find the right, the perfect message. You're never going to find the right time, the right amount of money, the, 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 the right anything, right? Nothing's going to be perfect. But if you just start at a certain point and, and, and just go, then it's real, then you're doing it, then it's happening, then you can learn from that. Um, so so that, 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 that wasn't the biggest thing that we learned because we were good at that. So what the biggest thing that we learned after starting, right, because we're, we're very good starters. So the biggest thing after that is, you know, once you get going and, and once you're, you're, you're doing things and, and everything else, um, you know, you, you think about all, all the things that, all the other things that you need, right? Like all the other things that other people need and you're trying to solve those problems. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest things we learned is um, who you surround yourself with, right? And, and, and we were, when we started Kahoot, we were very intentional about this and we're still intentional about this. We were still intentional. We don't, when someone comes into Kahoot, we don't sell them on anything. We don't sell them on a membership. Um, you know, we tell them the, the stories, right? We tell them the story of how, of how Kahoot started. We tell them the story of, of who we are. We tell them the stories of our members. We tell them the stories of, you know, the, the community, the collaboration that happens, the, um, you know, the, the, the values that we have. Um, and people either uh, you know, want that or they don't. They select themselves in and they select themselves out, right? And so what we, we've always been intentional about that, but, you know, you're, again, it's never gonna be perfect, right? But so sometimes, you know, people come into your life that, you know, they and yourself may come into it with the greatest intentions, um, but it doesn't work out. And, you know, it, sometimes that just happens. But if you're just, if you do more of a little bit of your homework, you do a little bit more of like, uh, of trusting your gut and trusting your instincts that any doubt that you have about anything, um, you know, that is just going to exponentially show itself throughout, right? So um, the one, I think the biggest thing that we've, we've learned is, um, uh, hire slow and fire fast, mm. right? Like hire slow, fire fast. If you hire fast, you know, you think you and, you know, this other other person are, you know, have the same values or are jiving really well, but it breaks down because you have different communication styles or you didn't learn each other about each other enough, wow. right? And, that, and that's no one's fault, um, but almost yourself because you didn't do that kind of homework. So if you hire slow and just learn everything that you need to learn to make sure that you have, um, you know, the, the, the right, you know, the right person doing, you know, the having the right duties and responsibilities and really setting themselves, setting them up for success, which means you're setting yourself up for success, right? So, um, so there were some times where we just didn't do that. We just didn't do it right. And then we just wasn't the right person here or there. Um, and that, you know, and, and that hurts, right? Like it, it, it breaks up, um, relationships. It breaks up friendships. It, it, um, it costs money. Yeah. <laughs> it costs time. It costs, yeah, emo like, um, it costs you know, just uh, emotions and that, you know, at, at the time, you know, it's like you, 
you know, you're in it, so you you don't you don't really realize it, but you know that that all costs that that costs something. Um, and there are times, obviously, that you you know you you can't just hire slow all the time because maybe your company's growing. And you just need to keep hiring people. But at least the you know the the main people that you need with you up at you know the um, I don't know the best way to say it, but at at the level you need them at with you. Um, you know, those people you need to hire definitely sl- slow. And um, even if you hire it slow and it doesn't work out, then fire fast. Like How you many? need to know that this is, you know, your business, this is a business, right? Everyone knows this is, a, you know, what you're doing is a business. Even though you have relationships and friendships with them, you just have to, it's, it's at the end of the day, if they're in your company and it's not working out, um, then you you have to treat it as as a business deal. What I wanted to say was how many people uh, work with you now, and how how many locations do you have? Sure. Yeah. So now we have, um, including myself and Jenny, two, three, four, five, six, uh, eight people. We have eight people now. Um, three of them are um, interns that are paid through other internship programs, which is awesome. Um, we have one location in Phoenix, but we are opening our second location in downtown Mesa uh, starting later this year, probably near actually like end of fall 2020. Um, but we are working on opening a temporary space um, in downtown Mesa, not too far from the full location um, by April 1st, just to get, you know, some, you know, get that community going, get some co-working going, get some programming and events yeah. going. Um, and then... You'll get some people working there, and then once our full location opens, then then obviously everyone and, and ourselves yeah. would, would move there. Well, congrats, man. That's yeah, a big thanks, deal. Man. Yeah, it's very that. interesting to – I'm an empath. You familiar with that term? Yes. Um, it's very interesting for me to listen to you, to, to your story, and just listen to you talk because I hear it from multiple angles, right? Uh, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, before I was in this field, I worked in management and sales management. So I had to, to do, I had to work with HR, um, the human resources team on the hiring and the firing process of employees. And so I get to see and I get to feel and I get to connect with you from each angle of like, wow, you built this connection, you built this relationship, you know, you're pretty much going to war with this person. That's what it feels like when you work with people, like you, we're going to war together, you know, it's like, you know, not that we're like trying to kill customers, but <laughs> you get what I'm saying. It's like, we're getting together, we're, we're fighting for each other, we're, we're on this bunker together, you know, we're helping each other reload, here's a ration pack, you get the analogy. And then at the same time, it's like, well, I might have to let this person go because of attendance performance they didn't they're not fitting the culture anymore they didn't they're doing something out of compliance and so it's just like it's like wow like this sucks this feeling sucks but then um as a leader of a company as a leader of the organization you have to learn how to like put your feelings aside and be tactful and be mindful of the bigger picture because you and your wife have created something that essentially is bigger than you your vision was bigger than you your vision was about the community your vision was about solving this problem, solving these needs. And I could just feel the impact in you. Like I could feel your emotions as you were explaining that. And I could feel that you went through something where there's probably, it seems like there's like still some pain there about someone that maybe you had to let go. Someone that was a friend. Like, Yeah, no, yeah. Um, no, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, definitely friends. Um, something like people that, that were, were close to us and, 
um, you know, it hurts, right? Like, we're all human. Yes, like like I said before, it's a business. Like, you have to treat it as a business deal, and then, and that's and that's just what you learn. But we're human, right? Like, yeah. we it, it hurts to have you know those kinds of conversations. It hurts when it feels like, you know. It feels like they are going against you for reasons that you, you know, that in your mind is, you know, not logical, right? Like, I don't know where this is coming from. Like, that's coming out of nowhere. You you feel like, you know, that you're like, what am I like? What what am I missing? Um, and you you try to be introspective. And, you know, sometimes sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it, it's just, you know, it, it just happens. And, you know, people deal with things in different ways um and that's something you know that 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 you learn like if um it may not be you it may be you know someone's dealing with something that they're not talking about and 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 now it's you know it's it's manifesting in a um in this way that you know the the negativity is is you know pushing onto that relationship and 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 those and that communication and, and that connection um, so yeah, though, I mean, those are hard, um, but you kind of just, you kind of just have, to, it, it's going to happen, right? Like right, right. it's, it's again, it's never going to be perfect. Um, uh, so you kind of just learn from, from those experiences and, and, and take from that, um, and, and just figure out what to do, you know, from there. So from a conflict resolution standpoint, I mean, you're a girl dad, you're a husband, CEO, obviously friend, brother, how do you, and I know all those hats are different, but talk to me about your general approach towards towards conflict and, and towards solving problems, you know? I know it's different when it's you and your wife, it's you and your, your daughter, you and your employee, you, and, you know, it's there's so many different roles there. So just talk to me like your general approach towards, man, how do I, how do I deal with this? How do I solve problems? Yeah, yeah, you know, you, um, my wife and I solve problems in, in different ways. Um, but I, like you you mentioned before, being an empath, I, I truly believe in that. Where you know empathy, you know, is is not everything, but it's it's almost everything. Because um, if you can put yourself in other people's shoes, then you can as much as you can understand where the other person's coming from, then you can understand how to communicate to them. Um, so that's kind of how I, I go about it. I, I try to understand. For any conflict, say why did that happen? What were they thinking? What was, um, what were the paths that were laid in front of them that led them there? Was it um, a mistake on their part? Was it the was the path not clear enough? Um, were they set up for success? And if they with if that setup was tested and successful and had been working, and but for some reason, when that, you know, when that person was, when it was handed off, it stopped, either it stopped working or it stopped, you know, being as successful um, as it was. So what I do is I just, and that's a lot to think about. um, But when you try to, when you try to resolve conflict, I mean, you, you know, you have to, you can't go in it, you know, adversarial, because once Mm -hmm. you come in as an, uh, um, you know, as as like an, an enemy, that's when communication breaks down, and, right. and you know, and people come, and then you know, people put a barrier in between right. you and them, and right. they become defensive, and you're trying to go on the offensive, and it's just that's just it doesn't yeah. work that way. Um, so I just try to understand it as much as possible, and, and and then when I when I sit down and talk to people, I myself kind of go through 
that process with them. And I try to um, not necessarily put words into their mouths, but talking in a way where it's like, I see maybe this is where it went. Um, just so that they know that I'm just, I'm just trying to solve a problem, right? I'm not trying to blame anybody. I'm not trying to um, deflect blame. I'm just trying to figure out where the, where the problem is, what the problem was, and then, okay, how do we solve that? Right. And, I'm, and we're always open to solutions. You know, we always tell our team, like, you know, we don't care. Don't come at us with problems. Don't tell us something's not working. Don't tell us, you know, this um, happened, so you can't do this. Come with us with, okay, this is what happened, and this is what I think we should do next. Like, come with us with solutions. We're solution, always right. open. Yeah, so we're I can always support open to the solutions. solutions. Right. Right. Like, don't make me come up with all the solutions. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. At least have one to come, and then we can try to brainstorm and work together. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm totally on board with you with that. Have you written a book about your journey? No, I haven't. You know, I. it's funny. Um, I feel like I like my story isn't very um, interesting. I mean, no, I'm Jenny. Gonna stop, I'm going yeah. I'm I'm to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. This is the Free Your Energy podcast. Your story is amazing, sir. It's very inspiring. It's very interesting to get all the different pockets of your story. About like we didn't even, we didn't even talk about when you were in L.A. We skipped over yeah. L.A. I, I really want to know about how you ended up in L.A. too. You know, being a Lakers fan. Also wanted to ask you about you. You read that book about the Dream Team. So let's just go here for a second. Let's come off of work. Dream Team or the Redeem Team. The Redeem Team with uh, sure. Carmelo, LeBron, Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. Who wins in a, in a game to let's say fifty points? Yeah. I don't, I don't. I don't think that's like a. I don't think that's an argument, is it? I'm just. I'm curious what you think. What that? Because I mean, it was what Jordan, Malone, uh, Bird, Bird, Stockton, Barkley, Robinson. Right? Okay. Uh, or the other guys. Who do you think? Yeah, wins? man. I mean, I, I. I have to. I have to go with the dream team. You think so? Like, Jordan and Magic and Bird on the. Oh, sorry, on the same team. <laughs> I mean, but come why, on, man. But like, why though? But why? What do they have that Kobe, D-Wade, Melo, LeBron? Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Kobe fan. We could talk about that later, but, um, and I think LeBron has it too. They have that grit, right? They have that, that, that passion, that motivation. Um, but when you look at that dream team, Every single one of those players had that. Yeah, they played in a in a in a different NBA. They played in a, a different style. They played in a different era where, you know, fouls weren't fouls until you bled. Right, right? which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they played those, like Isaiah Thomas, right? They, yeah. you know, they they had to play against those Detroit teams. They had a, um, you know, they had to play in arenas and they had a, you know, uh, work in locker rooms that weren't pristine. They weren't making that much money, right? right. They were still, you know, regular Joes who, um, you know, didn't go, didn't buy yachts and, and, and didn't go on, you know, world excursions. Like this was, you know, yes, I'm, you know, not to disparage today's NBA because those guys are passionate about what they do. They work really hard to be really good at what they do. But when you look at back at those guys and how, 
you know, what they had to go through and, and what they were dealing with and, 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 and literally no one helped them, right? right? Like they could, they didn't, they couldn't look up highlights of Jordan. They couldn't look up highlights of a Wilt Chamberlain. They couldn't look up highlights of, you know, George Malkin, <laughs> right? They had to learn themselves. They had to play against each other. They had to, uh, you know, they, they had to teach themselves how to play. Um, and when you have to teach yourself in that way, at least, you know, you that mo- kind of motivation and that grit comes with, from within. It wasn't, this guy's doing it and I want to be like him. It's like, no one's doing this and I want to, I want to be the first or I want to be yeah, there. And, and so that, mo- that kind of like self, you know, that, that self, I don't know, that self-motivation and that, you know, whatever that is, that, that it factor that, you know, can't be explained or defined. Like every single one of those players had it. Um, and, you know, Jordan is just, he's, um, and I'm more of a Magic Johnson fan than a Jordan fan, but just having Jordan on your team, you know you're going to win. Yeah. Like it's, it doesn't matter like who's on the other team. And then you add everybody else. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine Dream Team losing to anybody. Yeah. Okay. Let's take the 96 Chicago Bulls. You remember that team? Oh, yeah. All right. We got Jordan, Pippen, mm-hmm. uh, Luke Lonely, Ron yeah, Harper, Bill Steve Cartwright, Curry, yeah. Bill Cartwright, coached by Phil Jackson. Um, they win three. Jordan retires. They still make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, a free throw away from going to the championship. They go back to another three, right? They beat the Jazz the last two championships. Probably the best basketball team of all time, probably. Does the Kevin Durant Warriors, the 2018-2017 Warriors, does that team have a chance against the 96-97 Bulls? They don't because the Bulls can play defense. They're just going to smother them. Smother them. Okay, but wait. They're going to smother okay, but wait, them. But hold on. You know that in basketball, because I know you know sports, so that's why I, I love having this conversation <laughs> with you. In basketball, if you have a 50-40-90 guy, that's like a big deal. The Warriors had three of those at yeah. one point. Yeah. Efficient basketball. Yep. And then Steve Kerr runs the motion offense, so they're getting – wide open shots you don't think they have a chance against the Bulls I mean I guess if we're talking about a chance they always have a chance okay um and, the seven and they can score series. everyone and everyone can yeah. score on that team right everyone can yep. score on Warriors they yep. everyone can shoot um yep. so that's obviously always going to give anybody problems yep. um and again it's I mean we you've had this conversation before with other people and, and other people listening has well, you're rational, this conversation. Though, just so you like, know. You're, you're <laughs> rational. I, I try to have this conversation with my brother. He's not rational at all. So I appreciate you being rational. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and they could spread the floor, right? So Warriors can spread the floor. That means, you know, the, the defense can't smother them. They they can score in, in any, um, at least in, in any position on the floor, maybe besides someone who's a really good um uh, low post player, right? And Bulls didn't really have that either. Right. At least that team. Right. Um, but man, I just I just have to go back to yes, Steve Kerr, you know, played for Jackson. They 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 have those kinds of um the, the you know the, the same elements. Um again, just uh, like the, the that, that that different time of where how the where the Bulls played and who they played against and, and the scheme that they had and the the mentality of the players that they had. Yeah. Um, with obviously not in Jordan, but but like Pippen, like man, Scotty Pippen, if he wasn't any other team, right, he would have been the best player. Oh my on god, every team. on every team, yeah, but the Bulls, right? Um, 
and uh, and it, it just so happens when when Jordan left, you know, like Pippen wasn't at his prime anymore, so it, it just it's you know it was kind of too bad for him. But no, I you know I just I just feel like so Phil Jackson would have figured it out in a seven game series. Those Bulls, the Warriors. Who wins and how? Who wins how many games? I mean, you would love that. You would love that series to go seven, right? Like, yeah, I would want it to go seven. It would go, yeah. If um, just looking at it, I, I would go. I would go Bulls in seven. Um, I just think Phil, Phil Phil Jackson would have figured it out. I think Jordan would have, you know, as he does, go into another stratosphere that that like no one has ever gone before, right? He'd be like Dragon Ball Z. He'd get the <laughs> right. he wouldn't have blonde hair. He'd be like right. whatever like fuchsia, right, or something, right? right. He would just go to that Power that level, that next million. level exactly. Right. Um, and then you know, getting other other people shots in that triangle offense and and Pippen hitting threes or slashing to the basket, getting Kerr open shots, and then adding the defense that they did against them. Um, Man, that would be such a fun series, but I, I don't know. I I think I'm I'm just such a an old school like guy mm-hmm. uh, that that I, w- I would go for Bulls and and Warriors. Like, man, it, would, it was just so fun to watch that yeah. team play. Like, I wasn't yeah. even I wasn't even a fan, but it was just fun to watch them nobody play was. because <laughs> unless you were from Golden State, exactly. Nobody, yeah. everyone yeah. hated. Them. I mean, Warriors fans weren't Warriors fans until you until know they got, yeah, until, until they, they, got they literally won the championship. It was right. like, and then you saw Warriors fans yeah. everywhere. Like, like you couldn't get fan? away from you're Warriors, Warriors fans. Fan. Yeah, I've been a Warriors fan my whole life. Yeah. No, you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> and so when the Warriors, every time the Warriors lost in the finals, which obviously wasn't often when they were in it, but um, I would I would say or tweet out like the best thing to happen. Was that Warriors fans could go back to not being Warriors fans? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I think, and I'm from Chicago originally, so this is gonna sound blasphemous to a lot of my friends back home. I think the Chicago Bulls. There's two teams that they will lose to in this hypothetical situation. But let me contextualize it because when you have different eras, it's like, well, what are we playing on? Our era, their era, different rules. So the way I look at it is. It needs to be like backwards compatible. We need to play in your era and in this era. So I think the LeBron James Heat team, the the 2013 team, and I think the 2018 Warriors, I think those two teams could go seven with the Bulls. And I also think the Shaq and Kobe Lakers could go seven with them. Yeah, Not the I- first one. But the second and third one, I think those right. because Cause those teams were clutch. Those teams, no matter what like happens, or Kobe clicked when that second championship. Kobe, Kobe putting up twenty eight, Shaq thirty four and fifteen. It's like, how do you stop prime Shaq <laughs> and prime Kobe? You yeah, know? and then you got like Big Shot Rob, right? Like, yeah, no matter they had what, the role oh my god, and they, and and Rick Fox and everyone Derek was Derek, just, everyone was doing their role and doing it yeah. almost to perfection. Um, yeah. Oh man, I love that team because they were just so clutch. It didn't would, matter what. I would love to see some type of movie simulator where they simulate like these situations. It would be amazing, <laughs> even yeah. if it was just like an anime cartoon. I would right. watch it. Yeah, one hundred percent. What's next for you? What's next for us? Um, I don't. I don't want to know about the five-year business plan. I hate yeah. that. <laughs> when you brought that up, I was like, yes. Like you don't. You don't necessarily need to know. Some, you just got to start. Like you, right. were, you were mentioning, like you just got to start, get your foot in the door, get going, get some momentum going, figure out if you even like it. You know, right. people hit me up all the time and they're like, oh, I want to be an author. You know, well, what do you recommend? I recommend writing. Right. <laughs> like, oh, that's it? Yeah, that's it. Like, just write. 
oh, well, but I want to write a book. Well, you need to write a sentence first. You know, you need to write right. a paragraph first. Exactly. You need to write a page. Like, just start. What's next for you? And it doesn't even have to be business related. Just. Yeah, man. No, no. Yeah, for life. sure. You know, because of who we are and what we do, like, you know, there is no, we don't believe in, in work-life balance. Like work is life. Life is work. We integrate our life into our work and, and vice versa. And, and we make it work, right? Like we, we love doing what we do and we love having family time and we love raising our daughter and giving her experiences and, and things like that. And, and then when it's time to step away from um, work, we can, we, we can do that, right? We'll take, you know, a, a a month long trip in you know in southeast asia and then two months later we'll take a month long trip in europe and as long as we set ourselves up and to be able to do that mm-hmm. uh, we can do that um and so i i so so i'm trying to lead into what i'm going to talk about is work <laughs> uh you know obviously with with uh, our second location uh in mesa downtown mesa opening later this year that's you know that's that's a big thing that we're working on right now we're also um, for and we didn't get to talk about this yet, but um, Cahoots is like I said, it, it's not only a workspace, right? We're not. Yes, we are a place where people come and work and pe- be productive and get stuff done and collaborate with people and get hired on by people and, and you know and, and elevate themselves in that way. But another way where we help do that is we have a lot of um, educational programming that happens. We um, do one. On, we take um, you know you know thirty of some of the most prominent, you know, business leaders and entrepreneur entrepreneurs in the valley, um, and ask them to be advisors for us, and so we can get people to do one-on-one advisement with wow, them. Um, we can we do uh, a speaker series and workshops where you know we'll we'll grab no matter you know where they live, whether it's Greater Phoenix or even outside of Arizona, get those people to come in and, and do a free. Um, at times, sometimes there there is a uh, there is a fee, but um, you know again just a very tactical workshop, right? We're All not right. talking about theory because you could talk about theory and strategy. You know, right. every anybody can do that, and everybody does. Yep. But if you can give people things that they can actually do and and take away from right. uh, when 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 they leave that session, you know that's 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 I, we feel like that's more powerful. We do that. There's uh, we have. Um, a whole program called Level Up, where um, there's a, the Learning Hub, and that's the, the advisements and the and the speaker series. Uh, we have um, TriLab, where it's a program where, like you said, just start right. Like, see where your idea needs to go. See again if you even like it. See you know who and what it needs to, who needs to be in it, who what it needs to look like, and things like that. Um, and, then, and then there's rapid launch where, okay, you started. Now that you started, where do you go next? You know, it's being an entrepreneur and being in, a business owner isn't just your expertise, right? It's accounting. It's there's so much. It's, more. <laughs> yeah, it's taxes. It's, uh, ta- yeah, yes. there's uh, you know marketing. There's yes. you know all the online things you need to know. So and sometimes you know you could get in your head and in the weeds and go down a rabbit hole and all of these things that are provided online but our rapid launch program we've done this like several times with by ourselves as well as with others so these are the step-by-step um things that you need to do uh for on the business side so that you can just get all of that done and then you can do what you what you do best um so that's a rapid launch program and we have um 
uh, a growth and scale program where, okay, it's you, now you need to hire two people, this is how you do it. Okay, now you're at 12 people, you, you're making a, a, um, you know, $500,000 in revenue and you wanna get to a million, okay, this is who you need, th th this is our, our, our scale partner that you need to connect with and, and learn from. Um, so there's, uh, so our level up program is, you know, at each level and that's something that we've done already and that what we've we've been working on since the beginning but now we're trying to make it more accessible yeah. um we're getting it online and, and really being also even more intentional of of who um this uh you know this program and and, the, and this information um is accessible to right like yeah. a lot of things that we really focus on as a as a company and, and our values is is inclusivity right not just diversity but inclusivity like you know you're we're not just going to invite you to the table we're going to ask you you know what you want to eat right like we're going to ask you like or wow. is the food good right, right, right. <laughs> uh, we're going to ask you how do we make how, how should we make this food like what's missing um uh and uh, and for myself as you know my, my wife's uh chinese american uh, and myself as a Filipino American, um, you know, as uh, par having parents who were immigrants and being um, minorities ourselves, we know, you know, how difficult it is, um, you know, for people who may not have gone, uh, difficult people for just minorities ourselves, right? Like just being uh, welcomed in in different in different places, not being the, you know, I grew up in a very homogenous society, but um, being on Guam, but when I moved here, especially in, in Arizona, it was like, where are all the people that look like me, right? right? And, um, and and yes, everyone here is, is nice and everything else, but it, it's, it, it's different when, you know, you, when you feel like an outsider and no one is helping you become an insider, right? So as a space and as a company, as, as, uh, as a uh, educational platform, you know, we want, we aim to be inclusive in that way where this, this is not a one, one size fits all, right? It's, it's, this is who you are. This is what, where you grew up, this is the the culture you're you know you 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 live in, and this is what you need and how you need it, and so this is what we can do for you. This is how we're gonna do it with you, um, and being a, a space where you know people walk in, they 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 you know find people that that look like them or or speak the same language that they do. Um, you know we're we're very uh, intentional about that. Um, we're uh, because we know what it's, we know we know what it's like out there, especially, you know what, you know what it's like out there right now yeah. um, in America in 2020, and we're still dealing with some of the things that you know the are, you know the the, the people that we've read about um, had dealing with maybe not in, maybe not in in you know in in that, and not in, maybe not in the same stratosphere as that, but you know we're we're feeling that like why is this still why is this still happening in our society? And, and again, going back to what we can control ourselves. Okay, well, we can control what we do right. and how we do it and who and, and how we invite people and how we welcome people. So anytime someone comes into our space, whether it's for um, programming or to find a workspace or to just to find a community, uh, we're welcoming them. And our, our vision statement for Cahoots is, you know, entrepreneurs or even, you know, anybody, no matter who you are, 
where you come from, you know, your socioeconomic status, your, um, your, you know, your sexual orientation, um, your gender, um, your, uh, your ethnicity, you know, Cruise is a, is a safe place to launch, fail, and scale. Because failure is also going to happen, but you, this is a place where you can do that, and we are going to support you, you know, in your journey. Um, and we also just don't see that in like, in in different businesses and different places. You know, I, I get a lot of, um, we get a lot of members in who uh, join our space because like they look around and, like there's people here that look like me, right? Um, there's uh, we get a lot. We also have a lot of Spanish speakers in our in our space as well, and, and people join because. There's people here who I'm comfortable speaking my language, right? Like I don't have to, I don't have to, um, you know, uh, this isn't necessarily the right word, but like, you know, conform to, you know, what, you know, the, the space is like. I can, I can wear a hoodie and um, joggers every day. Right? I don't have to Which come in. very comfortable. Right. Yeah, that's that's like, right yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like my, that's yeah. my every day. I have like five, yeah. five hoodies and five pants. Yeah. And that, that's what I wear. So anyway. So really just focusing on on that and really focusing on that that programming really focusing on 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 you know those values um, is really um, what's uh, the biggest steps for us right now and what we're what we're working on and what we're going to continue to work on and refine it's powerful man powerful mission statement powerful values if a listener one of my listeners is local here and they're looking to find you um, tell us where we can find you on social media. Let us know where you're located, as well as uh, if you're willing to share your personal social media that we could potentially follow, your website. Just tell us how we can get connected with you. Yeah, for sure. So Cahoots is C-O-H-O-O-T's and Tom, S is in Sam. That's Cahoots.com. Uh, that's our Phoenix location. You can check our Mesa location at CahootsMesa.com. Um, we're online at, at, C, uh, sorry, at Cahoots, P-H-X. That's an Instagram and Twitter um, and then Coots Mesa is, has a has the same account. Um, yeah, just come in. We're in Midtown Phoenix. Um, Indian uh, closest cross streets is Indian School and Central. But it's uh, if you go online, you'll find the address two two one East Indianola Avenue. Um, yeah, you can find us there. Just shoot me a message or shoot Coots a message or just come on in uh, when we're open. Right. Uh, <laughs> Not on MLK. Not MLK right? day. Yeah. Um, Monday through Friday, nine to six. We do have memberships of all varying levels. We got uh, memberships that you have twenty four seven access if you need that time of the weekend. You know, Hanukkah, Christmas Eve, whatever. You can come in. Um, we, uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just go ahead and, and and do that. We would obviously welcome you in. Um, I, I do want to. I, I, I say this where you know we welcome everybody except if you're a Nazi. If you're a Nazi, we will punch you in the face and we'll kick you out of our space just just so that you know. Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, and then for just for myself if you wanted to just uh, follow or uh, communicate with me, um, I'm at a z is in zebra, c is in cat underscore domingo like Sunday in Spanish. That's on Twitter. Um, and then uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's that's kind of the best way if you, you really have a, you have Instagram? I'm on there right I now. do have Instagram so it's a lot of photos of my daughter that's if you like that yeah. um, and other like shenanigans yeah. um, but it's uh, Instagram is actually at Sunday in Espanol that's again Domingo in Spanish so it's Sunday in Espanol um, is the uh, is the Insta is the grammar got it 
I don't want to end on work. I yeah, that's <laughs> true. I want to end somewhere else. You're a girl dad. Yeah, I love being a girl dad. Talk to us about fatherhood. It's something that's very important to me to make sure that if any of my guests, especially guys, come on and, and they are a father, I want to at least ask one, one question about it. I talked to you beforehand. I'm about to be a father in about a week here. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, That's man. Talk amazing. Talk to us about it, man. Talk to us about fatherhood. You know, we can end there. Let us know. What, what, what has it been like? Yeah, you know, just going back to just being in a, in a really close family um, that obviously every family has its troubles, but just being in a, a big, close family, you know, I've, you know, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a father. Like, always wanted to be a father. Like, how awesome would that be if I can help raise a child and like you know help them be a you know a person right and 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 give them experiences that they should experience and like and I, and myself being just experience being a father in and a parent in that way was something that that you know always attracted me always I've always wanted to do it and and I became a father I think well nowadays it's not really late right like I became a father at at 33-ish. Uh, and uh, actually, I always wanted a son. I wanted a son. I, I wanted to teach him how to play basketball. I wanted to teach him how to play soccer. I would take him to games and, and, and all of these things. Um, but when I, when I learned that um, we were having a daughter, and I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't disappointed, but I was like, oh, man, we're in trouble because girls are. <laughs> <laughs> girls, I looked at, like, Literally the the day we we found out we were having a girl, my um, at just that moment, my wife and I looked at each other and we're like, "Oh, we're in trouble. This is this is bad. Where not only is she becoming a uh, a Domingo woman, but she's also you know a uh, a you know um, a, a woman on the on the my my wife's um, maiden name is people know her by Jenny Poon, and I'm gonna tell you a secret. It's not Poon. Uh, it's actually Fawn. So she's gonna be a Fawn woman as well. Um, and there's a whole different story about why Jenny calls herself what she calls herself. Anyway, um, and just that combined, whew, yeah. But anyway, it's working out just fine right now. It's good there are so she, you know, <laughs> she's 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 turning six on May fourth, and um, and uh, uh, there there are times where yeah, I see it. I see where this is gonna go. Um, Jenny is definitely going to be in trouble when she's older because I could see that relationship. Like, oh, mm-hmm. it's great now, but I could see where where it's going to go. But as a as a father, like having a girl and 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 having you know that that daddy's little girl thing is is real. Wow. Um, and having a just having a daughter and being a girl dad is real. Just just you can't imagine the love that you have. You know, for someone, obviously, you know, your partner, your girlfriend or your wife, you know, you're in love with them. You have, you know, this this love that no one can reach. Um, and then you have a child and you're in love with them in a different way. But it's still, you know, it's still that it's still love, love in a different stratosphere and in a different planet. Right. Like it's um, you, man, you just you just care so deeply. You couldn't imagine how much you care about one single person even when you know we we talk about having a second child and i tell them you know my wife's like how where is the love for the second child gonna come from because like we have this one child and like all our love is like am i gonna be able to love the second child as much as i do with like with ada like how is this even possible um 
but you do, right? Like it just happens. Like it's your your children, whether you know you adopt them or you, they they come to you biologically or or however it comes, or or you you get married into it. Um, you know you you just have and you just have like this. I don't know this this thing again that you can't describe or you, that you can't define, but you have this connection with people and this duty and responsibility. Um, you know you know for you know for these people, which is which is wild. Yeah. Um, and you give them experiences and you give them the, the kind of love and you give them the kind of lessons and um, watching her change and grow and speak different words that you've never heard her sp- you know speak before. Um, yeah, it's it's nothing it's nothing like anything you're ever gonna experience until you know you experience yourself and, and I get you know some people don't want to have kids. And all of that, but just for me personally, uh, you know, I've always wanted this experience and and to be able to live it. Like, man, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's just like literally living the dream. Um, and I know I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky to have my wife, who is this powerhouse um, woman. Who, um, you know, I think uh, people in my circle, I think, um, think that, um, you know, I guess I don't know. I'm pretty great. I don't know, but they know my wife is just like also just in like in a different like she's also in her own universe. Um, so I'm lucky to have her. I'm lucky to have um, a family with her and and this daughter who's just quirky and I don't know. I'm I'm like I'm rambling now, but it's you're just like rambling. talking talking about my family is, is is pretty crazy. Man, thank you for coming on. Yeah. You're not rambling at all. You, <laughs> you've been open. You've been honest. You've been vulnerable. You've been very transparent. You're a great storyteller. Very, very good storyteller. <laughs> I'm going to be on your ass about writing a book. So you know, because Man, you know, I, I thought about that. I was like, okay, I, I can write, like, I can write these articles, right? Like, I could write, you know, these as a journalist, you know, the the longest, you know, we, we can do long-form journal, you know, journalism, journalism pieces, but it doesn't really compare to a book. And I just look at a book, and I'm like, I can't, I don't know. Like, that's a lot. You. I'm going to be on you. <laughs> You got some stories to tell. Um, thank you for sharing some of the insides of your business, which you don't have to do, and I'd appreciate that. And as well as the emotions that you have and being an impact and just sharing that your journey as, uh, you know, your mother's son, a husband, and as a dad. I just, I'm grateful for it. What I do want to do in the future is when you open your location in Mesa, I want to get you back on. Cause I know that's going to be a whole lot of happiness and stress and <laughs> I know it's going to be a lot. So I'm looking forward to getting you back on in the fall so we can just keep, keep in touch and just stay up to date with your story. Yeah, man. No, thank you so much again for having me for the kind words. Um, I was just, you know, every time I, I, uh, someone asked me to be on anywhere, I, I just hope that, um, they're able to get something out of anything that we comes out of, uh, yeah. out of this mouth so we got a lot thank you Good. yeah man no this was this was amazing thank you so much appreciate it